continue with um, our study on the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which will be the 26th uh, part, 26th part. Um, last week we looked at part 25, and um, we asserted that the Lord Jesus' primary concern for his disciples, both then and now, is that uh, we make known the gospel of salvation and deliverance of mankind from the shadows of sin and self, and from the punishment of God because of his death on the cross of Calvary. We were challenged to go and preach to all nations, kindred, tribes, and tongues, and um, tell them that there is glad tidings because of what Jesus Christ has done, that man can now have fellowship with the Father again. No human being should be deprived of the knowledge of the good news of Christ's salvation and deliverance. We were looking at the kingdom that the disciples were thinking about, and um, obviously it was not what the Lord had in mind. The kingdom of the Son, which is the kingdom that the Lord had in mind, is not of this world, and can only have its citizens through the agency of preaching the word of the glad tidings of salvation and deliverance because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross of Calvary. This is a very distinct kingdom. It's a kingdom where the citizens become citizens by reason first and foremost of the word of God that they hear, and secondly, through teachings, they now understand how this kingdom operates, how this kingdom works, and then they are able to do it. Now, we are challenged to preach Christ and Him crucified. Not to pressure people with gimmicks, deceit, and lying wonders, as many are doing today, just because they want to get uh, followership. We noted that we are saved so that we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness all the days of our lives there or not. And um, this is exactly what, essentially, what the book of the Acts of the Apostles is about. The story of the apostles and the early Christians doing what the Lord had commanded and preaching the word of God, teaching and making disciples, and perpetuating uh, this by replicating sin in others. I think that's in the nutshell what we looked at um, last time. Today we want to move away from what we've been discussing, uh, which was Acts 1, uh, 6, uh, 1, 6 to 8. Now we are going to Acts chapter 1, we are going to take verse 9 through to verse 12. Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through to verse 12. And I read, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as they went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Then return they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. After the Lord had given his last instruction that his disciples wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon them before going out to bear witness of the salvation and deliverance he had won for mankind and cattle. The, the Bible tells us that you know he was he was taken up, he was taken up or cut up 
or the word rapture. And why the disciples were, you know, gazing into heaven, two men, actually angels, stood by and said, Why are you gazing into heaven? This same Jesus shall come in the same way as you have seen him go into heaven. Today, we shall be looking at the implications for us about this event and the angel's uh, statement. My prayer that the Holy Spirit will open our eyes and understanding to receive truth from the Word of God today in Jesus' name. Amen. So we want to look at uh, what I've titled The Ascension and the Return. The Ascension and the Return. Just as the birth, life, ministry, death, burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is true, so also is His Ascension. In fact, the Ascension forms a part of what we believe of the Lord Jesus Christ. Without the Ascension, our belief is false. And it is one of the things that we hold as, uh, as a doctrine, as it were, concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 to 10, this point is asserted in the Gospel. It says, Wherefore he said, When he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fill all. So it's essential that we understand this as one of the principal things about the gospel. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it says, And without controversy, there is no argument about this. Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received of into glory. Receive all in the glory. The ascension is not something that we want to be arguing about. It is something that is important. And if you are a Christian, it is something that you must believe. I give you an illustration. Let's imagine that your father sits you down and says to you, I want to tell you something. No matter what they say about me, I want you to understand that your father is not a thief. It is not that you don't know that he's not a thief. But he knows that there are people who will start saying that he's a thief. And so he says to you, I want you to understand one thing, no matter what anybody says, understand one thing, your father is not a... That's what the Lord is saying here. Don't, regardless of what anybody says, the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ is an event that occurred. It's not, some, it's not a figment of anybody's imagination, it is a reality. And the scriptures support it. Yet, the ascension did not end the work of the Lord Jesus here on the earth. There is yet one major event, and that is his return. And this is our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have this hope in him. And I'm going to read Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, from verse 32 to 39. Hebrews 10, 32 to 39. But call to remembrance the former days, in which after you were illuminated, 
He endured a great fight of affliction, of afflictions. Partly once he were made a getting stop, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly once he became companions of them that were so used. For he had compassion of me in my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. Cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience, after that, uh, uh, patience that after ye have done the will of God, ye might receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the judge shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back from the perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. One of the crucial things that we have as a hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, which will never fail, is the fact that he is returning, is the fact that he is coming back again. Whether, whether people say that uh, it's taking so long, or uh, what is going on, is it, is it not, we, we, uh, we've been hearing this, it's coming back, it's coming back, it's coming back, what's going on? We hold on to that, because it's the hope that we have. And it's the hope that the Bible assures us will not fail. The Bible assures us that those of us who put our hopes in Him for salvation and for eternity with the Father, our hope, the expectation will not fail. Praise the name of the Lord. Now let's go back to our scripture text. Acts 1, and I'm going to read verse 9 again. He says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. The Lord was taken up. We see here the, 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 the foreshadowing of the rapture of the church, because the Lord is the first fruit, as it were, of whatever it is that the church is going to be. For example, he said to us that the works that I do, you shall also be found. He said, greater works than this shall you do. So whatever it is that the Lord has done, is the first fruits of the church. And so the ascension of the Lord, which is a basic doctrine for the believer, asserts the fact, the reality of the rapture of the church. Uh, let me read Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. Some of these things to some of us is basically just prevision. That we need to keep hammering these things. One time Peter wrote and said, uh, that I, 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 even though you are walking in the present truth of the things that I'm saying, but I need to keep reminding you. I need to keep reminding you of these things. And we need to keep reminding ourselves of these truths. Because whether we like it or not, they are, they are going to happen. And we have many people who are already beginning to twist things around. Some of them are overt, some of them are covert. So covert that if you are not careful, you will be misled. The way we live our lives today, especially many people say they are Christians, it doesn't appear that we even believe that there is a rapture, or we have even forgotten that there is going to be something like that. So let me read Matthew 24, verse 36 to verse 44. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. 
But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving up in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the meal. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But notice that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man coming. So although the date and the time is unknown to any man, not even the angels, we are assured that it will take place. Do you understand? We don't need to know the, the date or the time for us to, to, to agree or accept that it will happen. So we are warned to learn from Noah's experience. Said so as in the days of Noah, Noah spent about a hundred years building an ark on dry land. And even though he told people about the impending flood, nobody believed him. Every day he was building, every, every year that he spent building that ark, it was a message of salvation that he was preaching. He was preaching the good news of the deliverance of men, of men and the salvation of God through that ark. But they didn't believe him. The Bible says they went and they went about marrying and giving in marriage. They did business as usual. The people who were wicked continued to be wicked. The people who were doing all manner of trading and trying to make profit continued to do that. Life continued as usual until suddenly the floods came. The ark had already been seen by God. Noah and his family, and at least a pair of the animals that God wanted to preserve had entered into the ark. They were saved in. The floods came, and only Noah and his family were saved. The rapture will be also like that. So we are warned. He said, you see two people in the field, cutting grass. Suddenly when the rapture takes place, one will go, another one will stay. Two women will go to the market to grind. While they are waiting for their goods, one will go, the other one will be there still doing the market business. So even those who will be raptured will still be doing their daily business when the rapture will But it is those who are ready that will be raptured. That's why he, took, he wants us. He says, watch therefore. Watch. For you know not what hour your Lord does come. Watch and be ready. It will surely happen. If it doesn't happen in your lifetime, it doesn't mean that it will not happen. It will surely take place. Let me read Revelation chapter 16 verse 15. Revelation 16. Revelation 16 verse 15. Behold, I come as a thief. A thief does not give warning. A thief usually will come when men are sleeping. When men are not ready, when men will be preoccupied with other things, it can come when you are out of your house, when you are busy, or when you are sleeping. Unexpectedly, it will come. That's what he's saying. And he will come suddenly. He will come at an hour when nobody is looking. But what does he say? He says, Blessed is he that what? Watcheth. What does that mean? He that is alert. We are going to see the, the parable of the ten blessings later. He that is alert, watch, and keepeth his garments, 
The one who is sure that he is making sure that there are no spots, no stains on his garments. That's what it means to, to watch, to be attacked. Make sure that sin does not remain in your life. If for any reason there is sin, you should immediately repent of it. That is how to live your life. As though you can die anytime. And for, for instance, if Christ does not come in your lifetime, it means you will die. And even that death, you don't know the time. You don't know the power. I remember the, the, the story I, I, I heard from a, from, uh, from a pastor. A, a man had gone to hospital overseas. And um, after spending some months or so in hospital, one day the doctors came and gave, one of the doctors that came and told the uh, relatives that look, we've done everything that we can for this guy. He can't be helped anymore. So what we'll advise you to do is start preparing for his funeral. He will be maximum, we give him his 72 hours, he will be dead. They pleaded with the doctor because said, there's nothing I can do about it. The man is going to be dead in 72 hours. So the doctor took his keys and went home. About one or two hours after the doctor left, there was the sound of the ambulance bringing in somebody. There had been an accident. The doctor was in the accident. The doctor who said somebody would, somebody had 72 hours, did not know that he had left in two hours. So I want to, I'm trying to warn us, and the Lord is warning us here. He says, Behold, I come as a thief, blessed is he that watcheth, and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they see his I pray that whatever will make you walk naked will not come in you, Jesus. Amen. I pray that God is going to help you, that you will not be ashamed at the, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. At the rapture, you will not be one of those who will be ashamed. Amen. Because there are many who will be ashamed. They will be unable to go. I heard once that there was a church that believed so much in the rapture. There's nothing wrong with believing in the rapture. The rapture is going to take place, that's for sure. But as a, as a mark of their faith, they will go to an open field to practice how they will be caught up. You can't practice it. If the Spirit of God is in you, the Spirit of God will catch you up when it's time. It's not about the practice. It's about you living right. That word watch sends a major meaning to me, and it should to every believer. It's asking us to be alert, not just to look, but be alert. Be watchful. It can happen anytime. The rapture can take the that you can die anytime. Others have died. It can be your turn. Death is not necessarily a bad thing. It is, I don't know why Christians today are making death sound as if it's a horrible thing. Paul once wrote and said, I'm, I'm torn between two opinions. Whether to remain with you and teach you more the word of God, or to go and be with the Lord. But I perceive that God wants me to remain with you because there are many things He wants me to teach you. So grudgingly, I will stay. If you are a believer, when it is time for you to go, you should be excited. Because you are through with these things of the world. But if you were not watching, if you have done nothing about your garments, then it will be a problem for you. You will not want to die. That's when you will be praying against sudden death. That's when you will be praying against death. You will be praying for longevity. No matter how long a person lives, he's going to die one day. So the prayer of longevity is a waste of time. What you should be praying for is, Lord, let me do all that you want me to do before it is my time to come. So that when I'm standing before you, I will not be ashamed. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, we want to ascertain, I want to put it, put it deep in us. 
that this, uh, this event, the rapture, is going to take place. As sure as Christ ascended, the rapture will take place. Verse 16 of 1 Thessalonians 4 says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be cut off together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. When Paul was writing this, he had a strong belief that the rapture would meet him. But we know that Paul has been dead now some 2,000 years now. The rapture has not taken place. But if Paul died, yes. They are the first to rise, those who are dead, who have died in Christ. It is better to die in Christ than to be waiting for the rapture that are not sure of making. So, to watch, to be alert, is to make sure that every day of your life, you're waking up, you're going out, you're uh, going back to bed, you are assured that if you sleep and don't wake up, you will know where you're going to land. These days, many people are sleeping and not waking up. In 1 Corinthians 15, the same thing is reiterated, but expounded a little bit now. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 54. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 54 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. I'm giving you this scripture so that if tomorrow somebody is discussing with you, he will have scriptures to show them that this is an event that will take place. The Bible says it, the Bible is true. In verse 53 says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's before you blink, at the last trump or trumpet. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, that is never to be corrupted, and we shall be changed. Now, those who are alive, because the person who has blood in him cannot inherit the kingdom, something is going to take place, and everything that is called blood will drain out of us, and we shall all be raptured at that time. There will be changes taking place. That's why I said, we shall all be changed. We will be changed when the rapture takes place. So, it's not your jumping up. How it will happen, we don't know. There will never happen. And changes will take place. In verse 53, it says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, we have to, we have to shed the mortality of the flesh and take on the immortality of the spirit. We have to shed the corruption of this body which have been corrupted by reason of sin. All those diseases that we talk about, all those must be, it must leave us, and we must take on incorruption where diseases not, there's nothing like that anymore. There will be no sickness, no nothing. In verse 2 it says, So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Again, we go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I ordinarily don't need to read the scriptures to respect. I have. Because these are things that we need to know. And there are warnings in these scriptures also. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 to 11. It says, But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. You don't need me to be writing to you, to be warning you. Did you know that the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night? There is no warning. 
As a matter of fact, this is how I know a false prophet. The easiest way to know a false prophet is the man who can tell you the day that Christ will return. You have known a false prophet. Just know that you have seen a false prophet. Anybody that says Christ will return tomorrow, you have seen a false prophet. Anybody who knows the date, the exact and can prophesy that he will come by this time, forget it. You have seen a false prophet. Because he himself said so. He said, I will. That is in the power of the Father. Not even the angels in heaven. No. So if somebody comes to say, an angel told me, you have seen a false prophet. Verse 3. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and it shall not escape. In fact, he's giving us a one year. In, at that time, their everything will be peaceful. It will seem as if there is no worry anywhere. You would have made it, and everything will be okay. That's it. Suddenly, it will start. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Do you understand that? You're not, you're not in darkness. You are a child of light. So that day should not overtake you the way uh, a thief would come and, 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 and would uh, surprise some. Therefore, sorry, verse 5, ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. All this jamboree that we're doing. Let's be sober. Let's watch. Let's only get you excited. I know for young people, we want to buy all the, all the clothes in the world. We want to buy all the shoes that are there. We want to buy all the trinkets. We want to buy as many things. As you get older, you realize the folly of those things. How many can you wear? I go to visit the elderly these days. You won't see them wearing all those things. You have to actually tell them, please change the shirts. Because they want to wear my way to. I just didn't know your face. It's just the one that I have with them. Meanwhile, you see the one you're full from when they were born. And you will wonder, what are you doing? Remember my father, when he came here, he came here with a briefcase filled with clothes. I don't know how many of those clothes he, he, he wore. They, they were as he was, as they acted. That's how they were. So there are things that we are doing that as Christians, you wonder, why are we doing these things? The Bible says, have raiment and food. Let us there we be content. Be sober. The Bible wants us. I think it's Peter who wants us. He said, be sober. The devil, like a red is growing, is going about looking for who in the devour. The devil knows how to strike when we are in merriment. When sobriety has left us. Verse 7. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunk are drunken in the night. Then let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, for an helmet the hope of salvation. Let's make sure that our faith in the Lord is standing. Our love for the Lord and for the brethren is firm. And that our hope of salvation, that yes, it will happen one day, let us put it on. Let us always be guided about this. Verse 9. For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. We are not, you see, if you are born again, you are not appointed to wrath. You are appointed to receive salvation. It is those who have refused the salvation of God that they are wrath. The wrath of God upon them, the judgment of God upon them is sealed. Yesterday, uh, my wife and I couldn't go out cell meeting on Friday, so we used yesterday to do it. And we saw Friday a bit of the book of Revelations. And we were looking at the judgment of God. We saw the severity of the judgment of God. And it just turned on us that Christians don't understand the severity of the judgment of God. If we did, we would not toy with Christianity. We will not toy with the word of God. 
will not be disobedient. Because we know that we saw one time when the Bible says that as judgment was going forth, the smoke, smoke filled the whole temple and no man could come. There was no room for intercession anymore. No room to cry, Lord mercy. Judgment had proceeded. I pray that we will not be caught on our ways in Jesus' name. Amen. The Bible tells us of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us. That whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with it. That is whether we die or we are alive and can be comes. We'll be with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as, as also you do. We keep edifying ourselves, we keep comforting one another. Yeah. If I assure us that this event will take place. God does not want you and I to be so preoccupied with, the, with this world that we forget that there is a rapture that's going to take place. The event that will close this age. As it was in the days of Noah, we went about doing whatever they wanted to do. Be careful. Now let's go to, back to our text and we look at verse 10 and 11. And it says that while they look steadfastly after Christ had been received up into heaven, toward heaven, look steadfast toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Why are you looking up? Why are you staring into heaven? As though you want him to come back now. As though you want him to return immediately. There is work to be done. So set about doing that work. Why do many of us, there are people who spend their time Listening to prophecies of people who went to heaven, who went to hell, who will tell us that, oh, Christ is, is, in fact, we saw him dressed. He is about to put on shoes. His one leg is sick. Why do we spend time doing that? Why do we spend time gazing into heaven? Why do we spend time making his targets, the things that God said we should not do? Why do we spend time looking for people who will prophesy? Who will tell us about when the Lord Jesus Christ will return? When there is work to be done. You know, a similar thing happened. When Elijah, when Elijah was taken up. Let's go to Second Kings chapter 2. And I want to read and point out some things to Ross there. Second Kings chapter 2 from verse 11 to verse 18. Second Kings chapter 2 from verse 11 to verse 18. And it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the child of Israel, and the husband thereof. And he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes, and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle of Elijah, that fell from him, and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah, that fell from him, and swore the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he also has spitted the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elisha went home. And when, notice, and when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, The spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him, and bowed themselves to the ground before him. Verse 16. And they said unto him, that is unto Elijah, 
Behold now, there be with thy servants fifty strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master. Let peradventure the Spirit of the Lord have taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, You shall not send. And when they heard him, till he was ashamed, till he became an embarrassment to him, he said, Send. They sent there for fifty men, and they sought three days, but found him not. And when they came again to him, note this in parenthesis, for he tarried at Jericho. He said unto them, Did I not say unto you, Go not? What am I trying to draw out of? These fellows had seen Elijah taken from wherever they were. I'm sure they had seen him there. And they saw that Elijah was now manifesting in the office of Elijah. They actually went and bowed to him. But then they wanted to make a preoccupation of searching for Elijah. They said maybe the spirit that carried him had transported him. Maybe the spirit failed. The engine of the spirit failed. You know, sometimes we talk like men. We don't speak like people who know God. Just can the Holy Spirit leave somebody and just drop him somewhere? They said maybe he didn't tell him and just, you know, left him up on a mountain or abandoned him in a valley. We, we are 50 men. We are strong. Let's go and look for him. And for them, there is no need to go. There's no need, there's no need. But they kept insisting until he, 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 he himself became embarrassed and ashamed. Ah, what are we supposed to do? What, what is the argument now? He said, okay, go. And you know that for three days, they went looking for Elijah. And what happened about Elijah? The Bible says he had to stay in Jericho. He couldn't go anywhere. He couldn't do anything. He couldn't move. He couldn't do any activity. Because they were searching for Elijah. The same thing the angels were saying. What are you doing? Looking up. This Jesus speaking, he has gone. He's going to return, but he has gone for now. There is work to be done. And if you don't do that work, the end that you are looking for will not take place. Do you know that it is you and I who are the ones delaying the return of the Lord? Do you know that? Matthew 24, verse 14. I'd like us to read together whatever translation you have. So, Let's, let's have a Bible with us, whatever translation you have. Matthew 24, verse 14. And I want us to read together at the count of two. One, two, go. And this is And then. So what does it mean? If this gospel has not been preached to all the nations, the end shall not. So there's work to be done. It is good to know that there's going to be a rapture. It's a wonderful thing to have that uh, to have that at the back of your mind. It is good to be alert to that. But also remember, there's work to be done. The work of the message of the gospel must be preached. So we, we need to work earnestly. Work actively be engaged in doing the work of God. Let's not be like men who sit down at bars just discussing, discussing the issues will the rapture take place, will the rapture not take place. There are some people who have done an exposition on the revelation. But there's someone I know who has written a book on the revelation. If I brought a copy of the book to me, and I said, my brother, I have the scripture, the Bible to read. I don't have time to read this. There are many people who are writing on, on the events that will take place. The Lord is saying, leave those events alone. They will happen, yes. 
it is good for us to talk to ourselves about it, it is good for us to comfort ourselves by it, it is good for us to edify ourselves by it, but we don't dwell on it to the point that we abandon the work that we have been called to do. Then just said to them, Why are you looking up? Why are you looking up? And then he said something in, in, in verse 11, when he was asking them, Why he said, uh, Ye men of said, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, this same Jesus, not another Jesus, is this same Jesus that is going to return. This same Jesus is the same with his message. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, we know that scripture, we will recite that by heart. Jesus is the same yesterday and today and in the same yesterday and today and for this Jesus Christ is the same. His message is the same. Jesus, if Jesus cannot change, his message cannot change. Do you understand that? The message that you are to take out of preach, don't change it. Let it remain the same message that he said you should preach. He says, go and tell them that by reason of the cross, I have won salvation for mankind. By reason of the cross, salvation of mankind has been won. Deliverance has come to mankind. Now there is friendship between man and God. The enemy that was there, the wall of separation has been broken down. Now man and God can have fellowship. That's the message. Don't change it because Jesus is the same. Don't introduce another Jesus. Don't introduce another gospel. Galatians chapter 1 from verse 6. Galatians chapter 1 from verse 6, uh, probably to verse 17. I marvel, this is Paul writing to the Galatians, he said, I marvel that he has so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another person. It is the same message to Christians today. Christ is marveling that we are so quickly turned from the message, the true gospel of salvation, to another gospel. Now we preach the gospel of, of prosperity. We preach a gospel that focuses on self rather than on the spirit of man, on the inner man. We preach a gospel that is so one-sided that it has no place for God. It has every room for man. And for says, which is not another. But there have been some that trouble you and will pervert the gospel of Christ. This was about the Jews who kept coming about and telling them to um, uh, Ask for concession, otherwise they will not be saved, and they brought all the Jewish feasts and festivals and so on and so forth. And, um, you know, Paul began to say that he's marveling that such a thing is taking place. In Matthew says, But thou, and but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men of God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. We have not been called to please men. We have not been called to preach a gospel that men like. We have not been called to preach a message that men like to hear. 
were the cause of which the unadulterated gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 11 it says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. It was not received of men. It's not a gospel that came because men were, were speaking to me. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. How I wish we would go back to the Bible and begin to seek the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ from the scriptures and understand that it is this, it is this gospel that we are called to preach. It is this gospel that makes us to grow as believers. In verse 36, For ye have heard of my conversion in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persuaded the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. There is a lot of syncretism taking place in the church, where we are mixing all manner of beliefs and claiming it to be Christ. We are just mixing up beliefs talking about this, talking about that, and saying all manner of things when the Lord has not asked us to do it. Today we are talking about holy oil, we are talking about, uh, uh, what, what do you call it now, anointed water, we are talking of uh, bottled water, and all kinds of things. Talking of handkerchief, talking of uh, mantles, and all manner of things that we are talking about. All in the name of the gospel. And that's not the gospel. And that's why those people continue to live in sin. They continue to live in the flesh. Because they are not hearing the message that will bring deliverance to them. I believe it's in Jeremiah 23, where God was speaking against the false prophets and said concerning them that if they had stood in my counsel, they would have turned the people from following after idols. Today, idolatry is at its height in our churches. Our so called worship songs are idolatry. Our dances are danced to idols. We say, oh no, the way, you know, uh, we must dance our culture. And so, look, culture. The church has its own culture. The culture of the church is Christ. And the church must remain, remain in that culture. Praise the name of the Lord. So please, the Lord is warning us. Don't preach any other gospel. Preach the gospel that He gave to us. He has not changed and cannot change and will not change. His message therefore has not changed, will not change, cannot change. The, the angels went on and said, This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as he has seen him go into heaven. Rest assured that as you are doing your work, keep it at the back of your mind that Jesus is going to come back. Do you understand? This same Jesus shall so come in like manner as he has seen him go into heaven. This same Jesus is coming back. So while you are working actively, Wait patient. Matthew 25. Matthew 25. This is a parable of talent that I'm just going to pick out just two verses. Verse 14. Matthew 25, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. In verse 19 it says, 
after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. What is he saying there? He has come, right? And he's definitely returning. That's what is, that is the illustration he's giving us there. In John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse 2 and 3, just going to read some passage. Says, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Now, listen to what it says. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. So, he went to prepare a place for you and I. And he says, he's coming back when the place is ready. If the place is ready before the appointed time for rapture, then what does that mean? You go to be with the Lord. We, we fall asleep. The Christian doesn't really die. The Christian actually sleeps. We fall asleep and we go and take up our, our, our places. So we are warned. We are warned to be mindful, to wait patiently, not to give up on that which we are hoping for. Now let me read the parable of the uh, ten virgins. That's in Matthew chapter 25, from verse 1 through to verse 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered as And at midnight there was a crying in it. Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trained their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, No, not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye there rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came also the other brethren, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man come. Praise you to the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Of the ten virgins, five were ones. They made their preparations. They were prepared. They not only had the lamp, they had extra oil for the lamp. What were one of the foolish ones? They just took only lamp. There are many people who, whose Christianity is lopsided. Many people are there watching, but not working and not waiting. Some are working, but not watching and not waiting. Some are waiting, but not watching and not working. You must have a balanced Christian life. You watch, you work, and you wait. You remember Nehemiah when he was building the, 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 the when he was rebuilding the wall and the gates of Jerusalem. At one time they took this, the Sambalat and Tobias, they said they wanted to have a meeting with him, with him. He said, go and tell them that I'm busy. And then he called his men, he divided them into two. Half of them were carrying were soldiers ready to fight. Then the other people were walking, but he did, he also armed them. And then he had a trumpet and he said, once you hear the sound of my trumpet, you know that there is battle. Gather around and let's go fast. So they were ready to fight, but they were walking. Do you understand that? 
they had a balance and in 52 days, Nehemiah was able to accomplish his task. He did not allow anything to distract him. The dead, the five white virgins were prepared. So that even though they slept, please note, they slept along with the others, they were not left ready. Do you understand that? They were ready, even though they slept. I, 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 I have the image of somebody who has to prepare for an exam. And um, they say, well, the exam has been shifted. Uh, we don't know when it will be. And so everybody goes to rest. But there were people who, who were prepared for that exam. Do you understand? They, were, they had read, they were ready for the exam. They had their notes ready. And then they, they went to relax. And then suddenly they go to the uh, notice board and say, that, ah, exam is tomorrow. They quickly pick up their notes, they, can, they know where they've read, they can just go through, do their review, and they're ready for exam. But there are some people who were following those people who were sleeping, who were already ready. Now, what are they doing? They're like, eh, eh, this, eh, what's the condition of this? Eh, how did this solve this problem? The time that was given was the time that they that between all that pressure. That also, but they were not doing that. They were putting them to sleep. Another illustration. You have to travel. They say a car will come for you at about 4 o'clock. You, somebody, among one, of, one of you is ready. The bag has been packed, ready, waiting for 4 o'clock. Now the car has not come at all. The car is delayed in coming. Maybe the car finally arrives at 7. The fellow who is ready, once the car comes, pa, 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 what are they done? He's carrying his bag. The other fellow who is following this man who is prepared to sleep has not packed the bag. He's not telling the car, wait, 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 wait. The car already came late. The car has no room to wait. So what is the car doing now? It has to zoom up. With only the person that is ready. Many of us are thinking that the Lord Jesus is so merciful that he will just, you know, last minute just change and say, okay, let's delay it a little bit so that they can go and get some more oil and come. It will be too late. Far, far too late. So there are people, because there are people as we are speaking, whose plan is to repent at the eleventh hour. They feel to realize that Jesus can come at the tenth hour. In Luke chapter twelve, Luke chapter twelve, from verse thirty-five to verse forty, Luke twelve thirty-five to forty, it says, "Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord when he will return from the wedding." That when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him how immediately. That is, they are ready. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself and make them to sit down to meet, and will come forth and serve them. And if he shall come in the second watch, or come in the third watch, and find them so, Blessed are those servants. And this know that if the good man of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not have suffered his house to be broken through. Believe therefore ready also, for the Son of Man cometh at an hour when he think not. Be ready. God he says, gird your loins, get your lamps burning, be ready to walk, be ready. The five virgins, the five wise virgins, were what we call, they were waiting patiently. Do you understand? The person who is waiting patiently has finished his work, has finished whatever he needs to do. So what is now doing is now waiting patiently. But you cannot have work to do 
and the joining people who are resting and saying, you are waiting patiently. You keep at your work, and there are souls to be saved, and we have to go about saving those souls. The message for today is not a, it's not a lengthy one. The Lord is, he, he wants us to as a, as though a reminder that even though he has, he has been taken up, he's going to come out. His attention is a similitude of the rapture. He's going to return. But don't spend your time looking at when he's going to come, when he's going to come, when he's going to come. There's work to be done. Do your work. As you are doing your work, also have a part of your mind that is coming. So you are working, you are waiting patiently, you are watching. Matthew 24, verse 44 to 51, and we are concluding now. Matthew 24, 44 to 51. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man come in the darkness. I never realized there are so many verses of Scripture in the Bible that wants us to be ready, that wants us to watch. Look at verse 45. Who then is a faithful and wise servant, whom his Lord has made ruler over his household, to give them meat in due season? Blessed is that servant, whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. If the rapture were to take place now, would you have been found doing what you ought to be doing? Or would you have been found doing something else? Verse 47. Pray like son to you, that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delay this coming, and shall begin to smite his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkard, the Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he look, looketh not for him, and in an hour that he is not aware, and shall cut him asunder, and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing for The Lord is speaking about you and I. Christians, his servants, he divides them into two. Those who are faithful and wise, and those who are evil and wicked. Then what to be done? The faithful servant will go about doing that work. The Bible is saying that as the faithful servant is going about doing that work, what he is actually doing is watching. What he is actually doing is waiting patiently, even as he's doing that work. Provided you are doing the assignment of the Lord, you cannot miss the rapture. You cannot miss whatever it is that God has discovered. But if you now want to act like many are acting today, many are acting like that. Getting drunk on the reveries of this world. Living as they want to live. Laying claim to so many things that they have no business even touching. Engaging in idolatry, in promiscuity, in all manner of sins, even the ones that were not known to our forefathers. He says, The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he will get known for him, and an hour that is not aware. Maybe that is why some pastors say, Pray against sudden death, because that fellow is not ready. That's why for him is sudden. If you are ready, death can come at any time. At any time. And you should be ready. You should be prepared. Some people think that it's until they have achieved something in this life. That death will come. Some don't know that even before they, they can achieve anything, I see posters all around of them, young people dying all around the place. Which is why in Hebrews 10 that we read earlier, it says, Don't cast off your confidence. Don't cast off your hope. Cast off your hope. Even after you have done all that you need to do, wait patiently for the promise. Don't worry, it may take some time, but it will surely. The promise talking about is the promise of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be the hope of every believer. 
Your hope is not that you will drive the car one day. Your hope is not that you are going to build your house. That's not a hope. It can happen, it may not happen. But the hope that does not make a shame is that assurance that you have that as long as you are serving the Lord Jesus Christ at His appearing, you will not be ashamed. <coughs> so we conclude by noting that the ascension, of, the ascension of the Lord was a real event. And so shall His return be. It will be a real event. It will happen. It is surely takes. So, what are we supposed to be doing? We have been warned. Keep your eye on the, on, the, on the Lord's return. Watch. Not by stargazing, neither by fortune telling, nor by preoccupying yourself with visions of visitors from heaven and earth. But by going about doing the work he has committed into your hands. Like those given talents who apply themselves to its use. Work actively. Be not slothful. Keep working. Go and save souls. Go and talk to people about the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray. Pray for those who are, who are working the work of God. Pray for yourself. Pray for the field that God has committed into your hands. Leave politics for the politicians. They know what they are doing. Don't follow them. Remember the Pharaoh who said to the Lord Jesus, Please, allow me to go home and bury my dead. The Lord said, Let the dead bury the dead. You go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. Leave the activists to the activists. Leave those who say that they want to pursue politics as a career. Leave them alone. You go and do your own work. And God has given us that work. And we saw it last week. So instead of wasting time focusing on what time will he come, what will he say, go and evangelize. Wait on me. Pray till you be endued with power from all I have that come. Go and preach the gospel of the kingdom. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction to those hearts. And if your work is finished, wait patiently for his return and be on the alert at all times. And if whilst you are working, it is time for you to go. Then that work that you are doing accounts for your watching, accounts for your waiting. Do you understand that? Because what you are doing is you are obeying God. You are fulfilling His will. It is the will of God for you to watch. It is the will of God for you to walk. It is the will of God for you to wait. So as long as you are working, you are not being slothful. You are not procrastinating. Oh, tomorrow I will go and preach this lesson. Next tomorrow I will go. And so on and so forth. There are people that I, 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 I will say, oh, I will, I will talk to Christ about this person. Next, I remember one time I was pastor in the church. I met this uncle of mine on a plane. Um, and we were going to do a, a dedication of the church building sometime in April or so, March or April of that year. I met him in February. So I, so I told him, I said, ah, Uncle, I'm coming to invite you, give me your address. He gave me his address and everything. I didn't go there. I was hoping that when I get the invitation card for the uh, building commissioning, the church dedication, I will take it happily. Less than a month after that uh, meeting with my uncle, I heard that he had been assassinated. I was sorrowful, not just about the manner of his death, but the fact that here was an opportunity for me to preach Christ to this man. Yet I was waiting for a church dedication. If I had known that he would have died, that he would be dead within a month, you know, you know what I would have done? I would have spent all my energy preaching. I may not tell you that we have one more, but I will pump everything into it. And my stepmom will say, Had I known is a brother to Mr. Lynch. Because it's too late. There are many things you and I should be doing now, but we're not doing it. We, are, we, we have a timetable. We are acting as though we have command over our lives. We are acting as though we have command over time. As though we have command over events. As though we have command over what will happen in the life of A, B, C, D. 
So we set timetable. There are people who are planning programs. In the midst of the planning of the program, they die. I heard of one pastor. They had finished the building or so, and he was struggling on, on the church building, waiting for the dedication of the building. He suffered a, a, a stroke or something, and the building that he spent all his effort and energy putting up, he didn't leave to see the Some other person has entered into his labor now, and they are doing their idea. The church is continuing. So be careful. Whatever God has told you to do, go and do it. These apostles, as we shall see, as we go on in the book of the Acts, they began well. Then the time came when they now relaxed and began to grow only in Jerusalem. And God had to use Saul of Tarsus to put fire under their footsteps to start scattering all over the place. That's how the gospel began to spread. Who knows whether some of the challenges we are facing in this country today is God's way of getting many of us up on our footsteps to go out and begin to preach. Those who are preaching the gospel of prosperity, they are seen as money is Businesses, have, you have to pump all the money. Look, there is no amount of business school that can overcome the judgment of God. I mean, I was shocked. In the midst of, the, I'm talking of the U.S. stock market, which crashed badly over the weekend, over the uh, crowd last week, below 26,000. This was, this was the stock, the stock that was doing very well. Good job, good job to report. Uh, unemployment, fine unemployment is dropping. Um, what else? Tax costs. All manner of good things that the government has put in place. Yet the stocks crashed. They began to move, they were scratching their head. What is the problem? What has happened? Nobody can explain it. People are just cashing out on their stocks. Why? We don't know. And then you come to Nigeria, where all the economic indices are going haywire. The Nigerian stocks, I'm told, is the best right now in the world. Not in Africa, in the whole world. Let us understand this. You can do all the things you want to do. It is God who determines what and how you do No amount of plan. The people who are today the, the buzzword in Nigerian financial uh, circles is, is bitcoins. I'm told that the bitcoins lost a hundred billion dollars last week. Can you imagine how many people are crying right now? The Lord's word for us is watch soberly, work earnestly, wait patiently. His word to you and I and every Christian all over the world. Watch soberly. Work earnestly. Wait patiently. Be ready at all times. Time can be up at any time. Let us pray. He's coming back again. My Savior is coming back again. He went away and promised that he's coming back again. He's coming back again, our Savior is coming back again. Oh, glory, our 